Hey everyone, it's a special episode of Strictly Hoop Talk, giving you a nice two-pack today here, dropping a rap and a basketball podcast for you. Um, so obviously I'll try not to keep this plug long, but I also want to mention everything that I highlighted in the last plug in case you missed that one. So yeah, I'm dropping two podcasts today. This one is on the NBA All-Star Starters, which were announced literally live on air as we were recording. So we react to that, and then we revisit my West tier breakdown that I did at the beginning of the season, um, right, at, right at the very, very beginning in December. So we kind of, now that we're still not halfway, but getting close to halfway, I think it was a good time to reevaluate my my tiers that I had, my six tiers. So we look at where I was wrong, where I was right, and kind of project from there and this is of course with my first time guest Joom um, of the Shot Makers podcast which is on Clubhouse um, it's an awesome thing that I'm a part of it's a it's a dope dope show so check it out on Clubhouse if you are on there now again I want to apologize in case you missed it on the rap side um, the content has been a little scarce on the podcast uh, the, po- the content has kind of shifted I've been doing content in other places but not on the podcast channel um, don't worry, the podcast is going absolutely nowhere. Um, I did the YouTube, so shout out to the Imperial Media. So if you're on YouTube, go check out uh, the Chris Platty Show, which is on Imperial Media. Uh, episode 2 is dropping this week, so check that out when that comes out. Um, and then I've done the Dead End Hip Hop. I, I stepped on there to review Blast's album, which was an R&B artist, for, um, an album that I found and really, really liked last year. Shout out to my homie Will Gill once again for putting me onto that. So the content has been um, has been made. It's just been in different places other than this podcast feed. So t- the best way to stay involved with me and what I'm doing is to follow me on the social medias at Real Chris Platty on Instagram and Twitter. That's C H R S P L A T T E. I know you know how to spell real. I won't keep you much longer. I got a few announcements, but I'm keeping them tucked until everything is finalized. So stay tuned for some big, big announcements for this podcast and just for my content career as a whole. So stay tuned and be on the lookout for that. But without further ado, let's get to today's episode, man. I got June coming in to talk Western Conference breakdown plus a live reaction to the all-star starters that were announced on Thursday night. Let's get it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and another one in this podcast two-pack I got before my wisdom teeth hiatus. I got my man, first-time guest on the show, 
Joom, the host of the Shopmaker on Clubhouse, which I am a part of. Um, and now, you know, now I'm bringing him into my world. So, Joom, how you doing, man? What's good? What's good? What's good, Chris, man? How y'all doing? All the Chris fans. Hey, it's here. I'm here. What's up? Hey, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to pot with you, man, because I, I always enjoy our Shopmaker conversations uh, that, sure. that we have. Um, today... Today, we're going to get into the East and West All-Star Starters, which are being announced currently as we're recording live. Um, it's 7.18 p.m. Eastern Time, um, and I hope to have this up within the hour or within an hour and a half of, of tip-off here. And right now, the West has been announced. The East will, I'm sure, be announced momentarily here. So the Western Conference, we had, let me see here. Let me pull it up here. Uh Steph, Luka, LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic. Now that is the exact five I had because of AD um, being replaced. Uh, June, I want to start. I want to start with you. Uh, is that the five that you had? And also, um, and also, do you think it's the right five? I should. I guess. I, oh yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that's the that's the right five. Um, those have been the best five players in the West. Uh, yeah, like Steph is doing what Steph does or what people didn't think Steph could do. Uh, you know, I'm a big Steph fan. Uh, LeBron's being LeBron, you know, 18-year cyborg. Uh, and I mean, Jokic is, I think Jokic has been the best player in the league from a, from a statistical standpoint, um, doing everything that he needs to do to keep the Nuggets just above float. Luka's doing the same thing. Um, and Kawhi, who nobody's talking about for some reason, is still there. Um, and so I think that's your best five um, in the West for sure. Okay, and it's uh, noted that LeBron is captain now in the, and I'm in total agreement with you. So let's jump to the East, which literally just got announced two, just got ten seconds right. ago. Um, Kevin Durant is the captain of the Eastern Conference. All star starters are Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. Now, before we did this, we didn't know we were going to be recording at this time. So, um, yeah. so I made, so I made my predictions. And I actually had the four of the five. I had everybody except Kyrie. I had Harden over Kyrie. Um, you know, I I wonder, do you think that that is the right move? Or do you think that Kyrie is the right move? Do you think the five is the right five? Or or are you, um, or do you have any other proposed changes other than the point guard? So I think that'd be my um, five, too, uh, with Kyrie in there. I think I had it um, either. You can go either or, Kyrie or Harden. Um, but I always look at, like, those midseason trades. It's so hard to, like qualify uh uh all-star if you're traded midseason mm-hmm. because you were kicking you know kicking tail on one at one side of the uh uh one side of the league and now you're on the other side doing the exact same thing um but Kyrie's having ridiculous his, yeah. his output is ridiculous 28 you know five and five and if the if the same reason you would disqualify Kyrie from being an all-star a starter it's the same reason you disqualify KD because KD's probably missed more games yeah. um you know That's out fair. of you know injury so yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I I went with Harden just because I think he's been a little bit more sensational. What he's done with uh with the playmaking and just taking the responsibility of the offense. Um, obviously Kyrie shares a big burden of the offense as well, but it's really interesting to see. Um, it's really interesting to see just the the dynamic play out between James and Kyrie as far as like as far as you know the the question coming in when when we first did the shot makers and it was it was when James Harden got traded and we're talking about you know how are the, those two going to fit and everything and i think that like you said at this point you can't go wrong with either cuz they both have cases for and against them um, right. they'll both obviously be all-stars at the end of the day 
but uh but yeah as far as the starters go um i had i had harden over over Kyrie, but the rest of the same beal and bead who's obviously been absolutely dominant Giannis has been great um and, and kd and kd as well despite the despite the missed amount of games now let's jump into the west because when i sent this to you i know i know you had some fun with this um yeah. for listeners of my podcast i broke down i did a western conference deep dive and i basically just took every single team in the west and, and i did a solo pod it was my first solo pod since probably i started in like 2013 <laughs> and mm. I just went into I just went into it saying, all right, I'm gonna break down because every team in the West is has somewhat somewhat of a talking point is worthy of some type of conversation to me. So I was yeah. like, all right, let me break this down into tiers. So I had the tiers. I'll just outline I'll outline the names of the tiers and then I'll get into the specifics and we'll kind of check in and see how um, each of these teams is doing and how wrong I was mm-hmm. in some areas and right I was in others. And so I had, I had first of all, I had six tiers. So I had, starting with the top, I had the Los Angeles Lakers, the, and that was just the Lakers. I had tier two, I had the teams that could maybe beat the Lakers. Tier three, I had really good, but most likely not contending. Tier four, mm-hmm. I had the end of the playoff slash play-in race. Tier five, I had competitive aspirations, but not likely a playoff team. And tier six I, is just one team. I said, this team doesn't suck, but it's a surefire top of the lottery team. And that was Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, so now looking at the standings here, obviously there's been um, there's been some huge jumps in it. And so in the in the tiers I had, in, in tier two, I had Denver, the Clippers, and Portland as the teams that could maybe challenge LA. Tier three, I had Utah, Dallas, Phoenix, and tier four, I had New Orleans, Golden State, Houston, San Antonio. Tier five, I had Sacramento, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, and then, like I said, the lone Oklahoma City Thunder in tier six. So obviously, there's been some shaking. Um, the West is a very tight race as of right now, but the right. biggest surprise is Utah number one. So first, I guess we'll start at the top. Usually, I like to work my way and save the best for last, but let's just get to it right now. So. I had the Lakers on a tier one coming into the season. So two questions. One, is that how you had it? And two, um, do you think that anybody that, that that tier has changed and that it should just be not the Lakers alone? Uh, so I definitely think that you probably got to add more to that tier. Uh, but I do. I think at the start of the season, Lakers picked up Marcus Gasol. They picked up uh, Trez. They picked up. Um, Schroeder, and it looked like Lakers just re-upped on. They made their team from last year better, mm-hmm. look at least on paper better. You had the more more athletic Trez um, kind of offsetting what AD could do, um, and then you had Schroeder as a secondary ball handler and a really good scorer. Um, so it really looked like they were in a league of their own, uh, but Utah has clearly shown that chemistry and like skill and talent like really works out. Um, and I think you got to consider Utah in that first tier too, uh, because on any given day, Utah's or actually every given day, Utah is shooting better than their opponent. <laughs> right. uh, I think the Lakers that that Lakers loss was the only one that they you know suffered or over what is twenty and twenty one games. Yeah, um, twenty wins like that Lakers loss is the one loss. Um, but I think that with a hobbled AD right um, at this point of the season, uh, I think it's your thirty or so games in hobbled AD. Um, whenever he gets back, like you're still going to have an Achilles issue to deal with. If I'm a Donovan Mitchell or a Jordan Clarkson, I'm taking AD off the trip. I'm getting the switch on AD every chance I get. 
because um, I know he's not going to have the speed to kind of um, snuff out anything. And then Gobert is going to be every day for the lob. And so mm-hmm. I think they're a team you consider. If I'm the Clippers as well, um, I don't know what's good with Paul George's injuries. Kawhi's injured too right now. Um, but they're also a team that you got to consider um, can knock off the Lakers in the West um, just because you have two of the best two-way players. Like, And, and the Bills stops at that. I know last year we're like, oh, they had chemistry issues. They couldn't stay healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that in in – COVID too, right? Because this is our second year dealing with this. Um, I think you managed to find a way to like just hoop, um, yeah. just hoop, and, and and I think that that's one thing that you didn't get to see in a bubble from Paul George and Kawhi, um, or Kawhi to a lesser extent. But they didn't just they weren't just able to hoop because um, of very variety of reasons. But I do expect like we get a game, we get a, a seven game series between the Lakers and the Clippers. It's going to go to it's going to be a really good series. Um, cause who on the Lakers is stopping Kawhi? Yeah. Um, you know, and ultimately, yeah, that's the, that's the real question. I mean, you, you want it to be a combination of AD and team defense and that's probably what it's going to end up being. But, um, but again, you know, with Anthony Davis's injuries, which is exactly why I think, I think honestly, even though Utah was playing better than, than the Lakers up until the Anthony Davis injury, I would have still had Lakers on their own tier just because I trust it more. And I've seen what I've seen the Jazz in the playoffs where, where defenses can really tighten in on them. And no doubt, no doubt the Jazz are definitely better than they were last year. I'm not denying their, their growth, but also at the same time, it's hard to look at a team last year. And I'm not even just talking about the 3 1 aspect of it, just the fact that it looked like. It looked like its entire offense was just give the ball to Donovan and be like, please just take yeah. us home. And yeah. so that was kind of my issue with Utah, why I still had reservations, but I definitely would have, I would have up until the AD injury moved Utah into the team, uh, the teams that could maybe beat the Laker, Lakers, um, like that second tier right there. But I would have kept the Lakers in their own tier. But now with the AD injury, um, I still think the Lakers are going to be fine roughly in the long run because I think they have the ability to manage um, AD and LeBron and, and kind of just work it through. I know a lot of people are worried about LeBron's workload and all of that, but at the end of the day, I think the Lakers, even if they fall to like the sixth seed, I think they're still, if they're fully healthy come playoff time, it's just going to be very tough to beat them. And so... I'm not really too worried about the Lakers long term, but I do think obviously those kind of injuries, especially Achilles, especially tendonitis, those are ones that can both linger and both be super damaging. Not to mention AD also being seven foot as well makes it even scarier. Um, And so I think that it's an injury that you have to take very, very seriously, um, especially because we saw Kevin Durant was a reverse of it, right? It started in the calf and then it went to the Achilles, whereas Uh AD, it started in the Achilles and went to the calf. So, you got to be really, really careful about this situation. And I think that they ultimately will be, but uh, obviously that leaves the door open for the late years. Even if AD is not 100% healthy come playoff time, then I think we can definitely see uh, one of these teams beat the Lakers, and which is why ultimately now I have them in a tier with, with Utah and the Clippers. I think that's right. 100% right. With the chance of Denver jumping into that tier. Dem- um, so Go ahead. Now, I was going to say Denver's a Denver's a touchy one for me, um, especially because of what we've seen. Um, but before I get all Denver, I think you also got to look at the Lakers roster now. Um, and and of course, Laker fans are as toxic as can be, right? LeBron, right. Laker fans are as toxic as me. 
Marco Sol to them is like get us get him out of here. He's a new he's their new Rondo. He's a new Danny right. Green. He's a new KCP. Um, and and I think a lot of people, uh, Chuck, who's on our on the uh, shot maker with us, um, he's been clamoring for this the entire season. Where like that team, um, he says that the team that the Lakers have around LeBron and AD isn't really that good. Um, and as far as like shooters go, perimeter defenders go, um, they don't have like wholesale names at these positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's one thing I look at that if they ever get into a, a slugfest against a team like the Jazz or, or you know, to a lesser degree, because the Clippers don't have that um, scoring power like that. Um, I think you can see a thing where like where the Lakers are struggling because they can't match them score for score, especially right. if eighty's not 100. So I think about that. Uh, but for the Nuggets, too. Jokic, I mean, uh, until last night, right? Jokic put up 50-something the other day, and he lost. Or it was like 47 against the Celtics, and he lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was like the first time he had hope in a good while. And he somehow got the win. But, like, so I think we're also looking at the Nuggets, and, like, Jokic is progressing at a speed that the other players around him aren't, either, aren't and I think that's contributing to their losses. But I do think yeah. Jokic against anybody is a problem right now. Yeah, I agree, and I and I ultimately think I I don't think Jamal Murray's going to do what he did last playoff because I mean that's like that's super duper out of this world special. But at the end of the day, I do think Jamal Murray will be better than than he has been recently. He had a, he had a good game last night, or was it two nights ago now um, mm-hmm. that he that he played really well, and so hopefully that's the start of something. And you hope obviously Michael Porter gets better as the season goes on. But losing Jeremy Grant was a big deal. Uh, Mason Plumlee, even though shout out Detroit, he's He's playing pretty well. He's got me some triple doubles in fantasy, uh, but but at the end of the day, Mason Plumlee, I know, um, wasn't the biggest loss for them overall. Um, I think, I I think so. Let's look at the other team I had in this Portland, which is currently fourth, and they are two games back of the Clippers. Um, they're five games back of the Jazz, which at this point I just see the Jazz having a, a regular season that nobody catches them in the West, but. Um, I had them in my tier two of teams that could maybe beat the Lakers. Coming into the season, were you one that optimistic on Portland, and two, where are you at now? As we've seen them, uh, you know, about thirty games in, still less than halfway through the season. So I think I had Portland prior like four or five. Um, mm-hmm. so they're right where I thought they would be. I guess I didn't think though that they'd have to deal with uh, Nurkic not being there and yeah. CJ not being there and Dame balling his like. Yeah, you know, like Dame is doing otherworldly things every night. Um, and then you got Melo contributing, Gary Trent doing what he does. Um, so I, I think I think I bought stock enough to be like kind of safe. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like I bought enough stock where it's like if I like if they if they don't do too well, I'm not suffering because of it. You know, and so right. um, I don't know, but I, I really like what Dame is doing. I don't think they belong in the terrible Utah in the Clips and uh, and the Lakers. I think they're um, just, just a tear down where the nug where I would place the Nuggets in the Suns, right? Yeah. Um, as like on any given day, they can scare you. These teams will steal, and maybe more so that the Nuggets have this opportunity to steal a series, but the Suns and the Trailblazers have an opportunity to steal a couple of games and kind of, right. you know. Um, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think. I think. Yeah. If we're if we're reorganizing these tiers, I think the tier one is again Utah, Lakers, Clippers, and then that tier two is probably Portland, Phoenix, and Denver with the potential to jump. Um, but mm-hmm. in between them, we're kind of skipping some teams. Uh, we'll talk about Phoenix in a second, but we're skipping San Antonio and Golden State, who are both ahead of Denver. 
I imagine you feel the same the same way as I do about them as they're they're quality basketball teams and I had them both in the um end of the playoff race, which okay. is about where they are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um I look at them and again their their upside isn't um isn't to the level of those other teams those other six teams that we've mentioned so far. Right. Um so I I have them kind of there but Let's talk about Dallas because Dallas was the one team that I had. So moving on to tier three, because we talked about everybody in my first two tiers right now, the Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, and Portland. And we talked about the Jazz. Um, so the one team that we had, the two teams that we haven't talked about in my tier three, which was really good, but likely not contending at the beginning of the season, I had Dallas and I had Phoenix. And I had Dallas because Luka, and Luka is special, but what I look at with obviously KP, you know, struggling with, with injury, now he's finally healthy. Uh, I just look at this, this Dallas team and I think about, I think about like I like the wings of Josh Richardson, Tim Harway. Like I like I like what they have in theory, but I just wish that they were all like thirty percent better versions of what they are. Exactly. And and I would feel a lot better about this Dallas team because I remember like Powell like two years ago he was looked at as he literally had the best rim running numbers in the league. Like he was right. he was an an absolutely dominant pick and roll guard. And Trey Burke had an amazing uh, bubble. Jalen Brook. Uh, Jalen Brunson also looked nice at a lot of times. Maxi Kleber's been good for them. Uh, so, so they have all these pieces, but right now Josh Richardson isn't shooting well from three. Tim Hardaway's being Tim Hardaway. Dorian Finley-Smith is nice, but again, I just feel like they all need to be like thirty percent better versions of where they, uh, of where they are now to be a quote-unquote contender. And um, and it'll be interesting to see if Dallas makes a move because I mean, with Luca being this good, you never know how long you have players and what the window is. But with them being tenth right now, certainly surprising, certainly disappointing to start this season. Um, I had them in, again in my tier three, and again they're below now: Memphis, Denver, Golden State, San Antonio, Phoenix, Portland. Um, I mean, where do where do you feel like Dallas ultimately ends up? Because they've been kind of the the one team that a lot of people were hot on coming into the season, but uh, but they've haven't had the start that we that <sighs> we've wanted to see. So this is frustrating uh, for me. Uh, I think when it comes to teams, I'm a Heat fan, then I'm a I'm a Warriors big Warriors supporter, and then I'm a big Luca and Dirk supporter. Um, so Mavs are like mm-hmm. my quote unquote, you know, by virtue third team. Um, and I'm really frustrated watching the Mavs play. Um, because it seems like Luke is trying his best, but he's also hurting them a lot, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then not only that, and that's just just because he's 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 not the shooter that we expect him to be right now. Um, but then you look at someone like THJ, uh, Tamardaway Jr., who can get. I don't. There's he's, he's on that list of players who gets really hot over yeah. a quick burst, of, a quick couple of minutes, and then is a negative the rest of the way. And um, that's really frustrating because they need a solid two guard. They need a solid, like, second or tertiary score um, when KP's not doing what he needs to do, when Luka needs somebody else. Um, and he hasn't been able to provide that. Josh Richardson, as a Heat guy, like, I'm really I'm really high on Josh Richardson. And it just doesn't seem like this is the fit. This was the trade that needed to happen for his career. Um, you look at Seth Curry, up until, like, he had COVID and uh, with the 76ers, like, he, had, he, was, he was shooting, like, 55% from three. Um, before he had COVID a couple of weeks ago, um, and now he's kind of leveled back down. But like Seth Curry is exactly what the Mavs need. Yeah, uh, someone who like is always a bailout option for Luca. And not only that, you got KP who isn't like 
KP isn't KP. He's not the unicorn we want him to like. We thought he would be, and that really hurts because you knew the talent, you knew the potential was there. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there was potential. People were saying, "Oh, he could be the best European player ever." Um, so you look at this team, and it's really frustrating. I think they are. They have piled up a couple of wins recently. Um, I think that if there's a team they knock off, it's the Spurs. Um, but you mm-hmm. did you did bring up the point where the Nuggets are eighth right now. What happens if? You know, God forbid someone gets injured or someone has to jump back into COVID protocol uh, with that Denver team. The Mavs are right there to take up that um, eighth seat. And um, so I think the bottom of the West is amazing because you have all these teams that are that are 500 and above and at the bottom of the West. And then you look at the East and it's like your fifth seat is 11 and 13 or something like that. Yeah. And listen, that's why that's why we focused on the West and not the East. Because yeah. the East is, I saw a tweet that I just love, and it just and it just said I brought this up. I think when, when I was on Shotmakers, I saw a tweet saying, "Can we just have the Nets, uh, Bucks, and 76ers play each yeah. other thirty times the rest of the season, and then cancel the rest of the East?" And I was like, "I'm I'm honestly with that." But um, so so going we're we're going in order of my tier. Cause we're kind of jumping around the standings here. We mentioned Phoenix at five, San Antonio um and Golden State we'll get to them but yeah quickly with Dallas uh obviously it's dis- it, it's disappointing but with them being being intent and now this year they they have the play in option and all that which they which was so successful in the bubble um I I ultimately have faith that they'll get to they'll get to a playoff spot but I still even at the end of the day I feel like coming into the season it was somewhat despite how good the west was it was going to be somewhat disappointing if the Mavs were 7th or 8th yeah, absolutely. It's, this is a disappointment. Yeah, uh, I think they were pending for a lot of folks as the top a top three seed. Yeah, um, I didn't put them played. that high, but mm-hmm. the, their, their potential was there for me, especially with how great they performed against the Clippers in the first round last year. Um, and then Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. I get why they why they did that trade because they looked at okay, Josh Richardson is a much better defender. He gives us and with Luca creating all this gravity that he has, Josh Richardson should get nothing but wide open shots. And he shot bad in Philly last year, but the spacing was bad. So I get the reason why they made that jump, but unfortunately, that trade has worked out great for Philly and terrible for the um, and terrible for the Mavs so far. Um, so, so I definitely expect them to to make some type of move. Let's jump to Phoenix. Was the other team that I had in my tier three of really good, but likely not contending. So for me, of course, I love the I love the CP three pickup uh, for them. I thought it was great. They have this like. All, they they really just have this fun thing and they remind me not to be not to be my pistons bias but they really do remind me of like the 04 pistons in a lot of sense even though they're you know even though you know you can look at their star construct a little bit differently but at the end of the day it's just i watch this phoenix team and it's some days Macal bridges has 17 18 in the next yeah. he has four but he has seven rebounds and and chris paul has either 18 or 30 or or 10 or you know and booker booker's been all over i've seen booker drop like 14 points in a game and i've seen him drop like 38 and right and deandre ayton has been probably the most up and down of all the people that i named and but they just have this very very balanced attack mm-hmm. and it's worked out extremely well for them um hoping that everything can stay kosher they can stay healthy they're eight and two in their last 10 um they lost to they lost to brooklyn without without uh Kyrie or KD which was which was a hurtful loss but overall um they played absolutely f- fantastic to start this season 
Um, I still believe that they're in the tier that I labeled them as really good, but most likely not contending. It sounds like you agree with that. Right. Um, I kind of had them in, in, again, that like fifth, sixth slot uh, throughout the season um, or by the end of the season, that's where I expected them to be. And that's kind of where they are. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, I'm I'm just really enjoying this team. And, uh, and I think that this is a team that I watched them play Milwaukee competitively. I watched them play pretty much every team very competitively. And I think that that's a, uh, that's that's uh that's a unique trait that we're that we're not really seeing that much today we're seeing a lot of blowout games and i think it says something for a team like phoenix that can kind of keep themselves in almost every game Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i look at phoenix and i'm like how is chris paul this influential to a team and it's i mean you look at the you look at okc last year uh takes a whole bunch of you know relative rooks and nobodies um, SGA is like a second-year player, and you get into the playoffs, you, and you get to a Game 7 against the Rockets, um, and you're doing the exact same thing with the Suns now. Um, and I looked at, like, er, this, Phoenix has had their ups and downs throughout the season. Booker hasn't looked like Booker, like you said. He hasn't looked like the, you know, next best thing um, that we were saying he was. A lot of people were saying he was last year. Um, but then you look, they're still winning. They're still in these close games. They're, they're CP3 is hitting that that one two dribble uh, mid range pull up to, at the end of right. games to close out games. Um, DeAndre Ayton worked really well with CP3. Doesn't work mm-hmm. too well with Devin Booker. Um, that's one thing that I'm peeping. But I look like I just tried to count down the standings and what it would look like at the beginning of the season. I think I probably would have had Phoenix playing in right at the seventh or eighth seed. Oh, um, I, I knew they would get in, I, but I didn't think they would have. They'd be four or five. Because they were sitting at four for about two weeks up yeah. until like these trailblazers, and so um, I I don't know if it's the mixture of coaching and just the expertise from Chris Paul, Mikael Bridges. Like I mean, I just love I don't know what it is, but like him on the court, um, he plays with so much kind of like unadulterated kind of fun and amusement to the game, um, but he's serious about his craft, right? He's serious yeah. about walking down. Uh, the opponent's best uh, uh, best score, and then also doing hitting a shot on the other end or slashing to the rim. And so I think that team has um, – they have what it takes to kind of really wake up the Lakers. If the Lakers ever get complacent or the, or the Clippers, which who are more susceptible to like a um, – to a shock team, um, yeah. I think it's – I think the Suns have that ability to really just kind of wake them up because Booker's going to hit every shot at the end of the game. CBD's going to hit every shot you give him um, at the end of the game too. Um, I really, I'm really interested in seeing what DeAndre Ayton actually can become. Yeah, because I think he's he has potential to be a top three, top four big man in the West. Um, he just hasn't really given been given a space to do that because Booker's your number one scoring option mm-hmm. and CB 3s number two. So I want to see how that pans out, though. Yeah, and I also think he's just he's getting his feel for the game, like mm-hmm. um, offensively and defensively. Uh, defensively, we knew he was a work in progress, but offensively, he he seems to have the raw tools from the jump, but Sometimes his decision making, like he'll want to do a little float, a little push floater, yeah. or he'll or he'll want to just shoot a jump shot. And then there's other nights where he decides, no, I'm gonna barrel through you and get an and one. And it's like this is great. I wish he'd do it more. But overall, I I think you know I think he's obviously got a lot of promise. And I and I like the way this team is built. And I like and I like that Chris Paul is doing this. It kind of makes me wish there was an alternate universe where Chris Paul just never stayed in one place too long and just kept doing uh-huh. this. Just kept uh-huh. taking these, kept taking these like bottomless franchises oh. and just rising them to the top. Um, as, I might have as, to, go ahead. No, I was about to say I might have to uh, throw a two K simulation to see how that could have looked. 
Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be fun. That would be fun. Listen, as a as a Detroit Pistons fan, I know nothing about being a bottomless team. <laughs> but but no, uh, Phoenix Phoenix is cool, man. Let's jump to so now we're entering the tier four of mine, which was the end of the playoff slash playing race. And so kicking off with that perfectly is uh, San Antonio will start there at 16 and 11, seven, seven of their last 10. They have won. Um, they just look, they just look sleek, man. They look fresh. They look, uh, they look mobile. Um, it's, they don't look like your traditional Spurs team, but they play with the typical poise of your Spurs team. And DeJounte Murray has been absolutely incredible. He had a, literally an eight steal game last week. And yeah. I was just like, I was just like, wow, this is absolutely amazing to watch somebody steal the ball eight times. <laughs> and and I think three of them were pretty much consecutive. Mm-hmm. And he's just he's just an absolute beast. Um, I'm liking what San Antonio's doing. Uh, they are, if I'm being honest with you, you know, you know, I wrote in my thing here, I said, a coach pop team will always have my benefit of the doubt, even if I find this team underwhelming. A healthy DeJounte Murray is something Spurs fans should be excited about, though. That's all I wrote for them compared to, the, like, the paragraph I wrote for every other team. Right. Basically, that kind of tells me that, like, in reality, I had them in Tier 4, the end of the playoff slash play-in race, but I didn't really think that they I had that much faith in them being a playoff team. And right now, look, they're out of the they're out of the whole, um, like, uh, play-in tournament right mm-hmm. now at, at 6. So... They're, they've been outperforming what I think, um, but obviously, you know, with Denver and Dallas, two teams I had ahead of them, um, and I expect will at least one of those two teams will jump them, um, putting them back in the play-in tournament. But uh, regardless, nonetheless, San Antonio has had a great season. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Aldridge because that just seems like a situation where right now he's hurt, but it seems like that's been a marriage that's destined to end, and... I, I could see them maybe trying to. I believe he he's a free agent this coming year, right? Uh, LA. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think he's a buyout candidate? So I don't think he's a buyout candidate because he's injured, and um, mm. I think that if there is a if there is a world where he gets back before the trade deadline, I think you might be able to you know see something happen. But he fits on no team exactly. Uh, I don't I don't know where he goes, and at his at his year like. His years, right? His at his age, he needs to be on a team where he can contend for anything. And um, yeah. kind of reminds me of a Paul Millsap type of uh, kind of player right now. But I don't think he's even produced to the degree that Paul Millsap no, has over these years. And so um, I, I think he gets. Tra- I think I think Rudy Gobert. I mean, I said Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gay is also <laughs> a, a candidate to get uh, traded uh, relatively soon. I know Miami is looking at him. Um, so I love the Spurs because they're mm-hmm. like. They're like, yo, go. You can sleep on us. Y'all can sleep on us if you want. <laughs> Y'all can sleep on us You're if right. you want. And um, they they find themselves right here. I feel, however, that's the team that Dallas jumps right. Um, I feel at the end of the day, once we're once we're secured in our playoff standings, it's Dallas at eight or seven, and uh, the Spurs are like at nine or something like that. Um, yeah. Just because, like, and um, Demar Derozan's having a hell, hell of a season. Like mm-hmm. Absolutely. Healthy. Excuse me. Kelton Johnson is like, you know, surprising everyone with the, how he's doing. He has my same. He has the same birthday as me, so that's pretty cool. But um, <laughs> you know, but like at the end of the day, they just won't have enough star power to kind of like keep themselves afloat when this year, like when teams are really nitty gritty um, mm-hmm. and where they need to be. So, yeah, yeah. I I think I think that San Antonio it's going to be fun to watch them play out. 
but ultimately, uh, yeah, I do think they will fall a little bit. But you know, hey, if they if they if they continue to hold on to where they're at, then it's a it's an amazing season. If they avoid the playing tournament, I think that's a huge success because uh, that means they'll have held off at least uh, they'll they'll have held off both Denver and Dallas. Um, which is two teams that are obviously came into season with much higher expectations than San Antonio. Uh, next, we got Golden State here at at seven. Um, listen, Steph is playing out of this world. Uh, I mean, you know, Kelly Oubre is starting to shoot a basketball again. Right. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is is still Andrew Wiggins ish. Uh, you know, they've had a rotation of injuries. Draymond has just absolutely taken over. I, that should be the first thing I, I, the second thing I should have mentioned right after Steph was just Draymond going, uh, unbelievable John Stockton level assisting. Oh, oh my gosh. And it's been, it's been absolutely phenomenal to watch Steph Curry, uh, Steph Curry, obviously playing like damn near MVP level, uh, mm-hmm. performance here. At seventh seed, um, obviously I would consider this. I had them kind of penciled in as my like eighth in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had so at seven, it's not uh, it's not fully surprising. However, I would I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't have that I wasn't pretty surprised because of how the season started. Yeah, like when it looked like it was just Steph and and there was no Draymond. So uh, so obviously take that with a grain of salt, but. It just looked like it just looked like Steph just chucking up anything he could he could get. They had five people on the floor and only one of them could shoot. It just went. Mm-hmm. It was just so ungolden state. It looked like it looked like everything. It looked like the exact opposite of everything they built the last five years, which was which was pace, space, and and, and movement. They still had the ball movement, but they just like those players that were wide open. Man, they were just wide open, bricking shots and losing yeah. by thirty to to Milwaukee and all that. And they've. They've really turned it around and played super competitive. Um, I mean, Golden State. I'm still feeling like though, because ultimately they'll. You probably think they'll end up somewhere in that six to eight range, maybe nine range of things if 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 these other teams wake up. Um, but but that being said, you know how how worried are you about uh, about a Golden State first round matchup if you're say the Clippers if if Golden State jumps to six and it's Clippers versus Golden State I mean how worried are you about that series or not worried at all uh, I think I'm worried if I'm the Clippers I am worried that I have to see Wardell on the other end um oh yeah. I mean it's it's Stephen Curry um greatest shooter ever uh but all of, like second greatest point guard in my books um yeah and so it's it him alone on the court moves the entire like it's it's a it's a seismic like disruption on the court him being mm-hmm. there, but then you have Draymond Green, um, who is the smartest top two top three smartest players in the game, um, and I think that if you get if you find the Warriors in a six seed, that, that means that they've played well enough um, throughout the course of the season to be like to not have to play in to get into the playoffs. If they're the six seed, that's a a well oiled Warriors machine um, yeah. that now know how to play with each other, um, and so of course the Clippers would hope for that. But the Clippers, like, Paul George has played how many games so far? Kawhi's mm-hmm. also missing games. So it's kind of the same situation as last year. Um, and I think that you just, you'll get, you don't want to sleep on Steph. You don't want to sleep on Draymond's value either um, in the middle. And then that the uh, currently right now, Serge Ibaka, I don't think is the big to punish the Warriors. Um, mind you, the Warriors aren't playing with a center right now. <laughs> like, they, yeah. they haven't had a center for the last two weeks or so. Uh, so I think that if you're if you're the Clippers, you're scared. If you're the if you're the Jazz, 
you're maybe scared of the Warriors if you get to face them. I think the Lakers are probably the only sure team that um, I could mm-hmm. see them beating, and that's only if they have a healthy AD. Yeah, and um, who knows if uh, if Portland ends up jumping the Clippers because they continue to rest Kawhi and Paul George and say the Clippers end up the fourth seed instead of the three seed. Right now they're they're just two games back. Portland versus Golden State, you know, that's a that's, that's a, a matchup that that's a, yeah, that's, that's a, a toss up. That's a sweep for Golden State. Like, really? Like, I, I don't I, know about that. All right. So I say that because the numbers over the last, like, five years have shown, like, Golden State is, like, where Steph Curry himself is, like, 12-0 and against Dame Lillard in the playoffs. I know, but right. let's be fair and let's be real here. The, the, the last five-year Warriors roster versus Warriors roster is substantially different. That's fair. Um, but then you look at you look at last seasons, right, or the, uh, mm. the last time the Warriors were in the playoffs. Katie's out that series, um, and Steph like and Steph. And but they the, still have Clay though. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So I so I do think that the times have changed. Um, yeah. But I I do think that's a great series because you have two of the best players, um, yeah. two of the best that would point be a guards. Fun ever. You know, I'm I'm glued to my seat the entire time. Um, Hell yeah! But I do think that's a Warriors win though. Uh, yeah. just, I might go Warriors too, but I just I I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be as bold with it as you. But <laughs> but uh, that's why you're on this podcast, man. I, I kind of I've kind of been known to have like very soft kind of oh, I could see anything happening takes. Yeah. Whereas I, I need to, I need some heat on this podcast, yeah. which is why I got you. But I, let's jump. Go now, ahead. And I was just gonna say I will ride for Wardell, Stephen Curry until yeah. you know. I agree. I agree, man. Listen, uh, I respect it. So my tier four, the end of playoff play in race, I have two teams in here that are not currently in that race, um, but maybe have the potential jump. This is probably one of the places I'm the most wrong other than the Jazz. Um, and that is the New Orleans Pelicans and Houston Rockets. Um, coming into it, I thought New Orleans, uh, you know, I, I had them on the outside. I had them ultimately as like the ninth or 10th team, like a team that would reach the plan, but wouldn't wouldn't get into the playoffs just because... I, I look at their team and it's yeah it's got a lot of talent and and it's and, and it's got some balance here and there but I just ultimately it, I like the eight guys that they have their eight best players but I don't like them all together really <clears throat> and and I think despite me liking Stan Van Gundy um, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of curious to see you know where where this team ends up folding because they got a lot of defensive potential and depth that can help them. Um, I like Steven Adams for a Stan Van Gundy team, but it just doesn't feel like it fits the right way. We've had Lonzo up and down. Ingram and Zion have really been the only kind of consistent forces of the of the Pelicans this season. Eric Bledsoe has been like ha, has been very up and down, even more so than he normally is, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then you have and then you have Steven Adams, who's who's essentially a role player. And I know a lot of people are criticizing Steven Adams next to. Uh, Zion, but I actually like that just for the simple fact of, you know, Zion obviously with his with his body, you know, you you worry about the longevity of his of his you know playing career and his his shelf life with that level of of just out of this world athleticism. So I like Stephen Adams playing the default center just so that it gives him less years of being beat up. Like I'm not enough, I'm not a fan of rushing Zion to the five just because that's ultimately probably where he'll be best. But let's not let's not put him there and take ass whoopings uh, if he doesn't need to, you know. Right, right. So I don't even know about Zion ever like having quality minutes at the five, because um, he's still six five or so. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I and I think that like he he's better from the dunker spot. He's better taking golf, you know, 
right. bulldozing from your uh, free throw line inwards, whatever. But um, with, as the Pelicans as a whole, I think that like they're probably even overachieving by being at the, uh, the tenth or eleventh. I think they're what? Yeah, 11th? they're twelve. They're twelfth right now. Yeah, with, I, at twelve and sixteen. If I'm numb, um, and with the picks that they do have already. I'm probably I'm probably selling on ball. I'm probably selling on uh, yeah. on uh, JJ Redick as much as I can, knowing that like I don't need to win. Continue. And first of all, Zion Williamson, I am sorry because I definitely said that. What if you can never get better than your 21 points that you're putting up at the beginning of the season, and right. and you're do you're getting like you're playing better, you're scoring so much better. Like the efficiency is like the hell. Like, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, and so Zion, you're clearly like proving me wrong there. Um, but I don't think that this uh Pelicans team, I actually don't think this Pelicans team needs to stay together, um, more than another year. Um, if I'm the Pelicans, I'm considering selling like trading Brandon Ingram, um, to get another a more compatible piece next to Zion. Um, so I look at this team like they're 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 the 12th or 13th, but like seed to me in the West. If mm-hmm. I if I'm them, I go for the 15, so I have a better chance of uh, Cade Cunningham uh, next season. But yeah, I yeah. think I think you bring up a lot of interesting points, particularly Brandon Ingram and Zion and their fit together. Um, I'm not all the way out on it. I think it's uh, I think it's very different, but somewhat similar to Simmons and Embiid, where it's not the most acceptable. It's not the it's not the most compatible fit, but it but it can work. Um, especially if you have the right pieces around it, but ultimately, um, ultimately, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to say move Brandon Ingram, but of course, if, you know, if you're a team that's 12th in the conference and you get a mother load offer for, uh, for Brandon Ingram and you still have to keep, you still get to keep Zion and keep all those assets that you have built up, um, then you, then you absolutely do it. But with the Steven Adams extension and all that, it tells me that, New Orleans wants to kind of do the Boston rebuild where they're as as best as they could possibly be every year, but also have uh, have equity in the future. Right. Um, so, so I can see them going that way. And I think that's a good way to go about it, but it's also very tough and it sets you up for some, it sets you up for some disappointments uh, potentially. But yeah, I, I had them again at the, you know, like roughly around the 10th spot in the West and they're, they're at the 12th. So they've been somewhat of a disappointment to me, but at the same time, um, it, it it makes a lot of sense outside of outside of really there's there's really only one team that I have uh, or two teams that I have that kind of surprise me over um, over New Orleans and that's San Antonio and Memphis which we'll get to Memphis in a little bit but um, and we spoke on San Antonio already but yeah I I just I look at that Pelicans fit and it just seems like an incomplete team despite yeah. it having eight players that I really really like mm-hmm. um, let's talk Houston because you know. I put at the start of it, this was before James Harden got traded. Literally the first sentence was, look, who the hell knows what happens with this team? Right. You know, like if they keep Harden, they're probably somewhere in that third tier where they're good enough to contend, but, or they're good enough to be like a rough contender, but you probably aren't picking them to win the championship. I like the Christian Woods pickup for them. Um, he, he was good in Detroit, but essentially people need to stop slamming Detroit for that because essentially you have to look at the the cap space that the Pistons had, and they chose essentially Jeremy Grant over Christian Woods, which right now doesn't look bad right. at all. Right, it, it it honestly looks like a win for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I so I think it's stupid that like uh, Detroit gets a lot of 
flack for, oh, you signed Mason Plumlee and, and you traded for Dwayne Denman and waived him. It's like, no, the reason why we have Jeremy Grant is because we let Christian Wood go. So um, that's a little Pistons rant that I had to get up. But, you know, uh, P.J. Tucker still a dog. Uh, this team is obviously a team now that's going to look to move players. They've talked about shopping Oladipo. They've talked about shopping P.J. Tucker. Um, I think both of those players will likely be on a on another team, especially P.J. I don't know about Victor. Um, it'll, we'll see what kind of suitors he gets at the trade deadline. But uh, ultimately... Looking at this team, uh, thirteen, they're thirteenth in the conference. 11, 11 and seventeen. This is kind of the scenario that I could have possibly seen. Um, Wall and Boogie, you know, you you don't know what to expect from them. So it's it's all a, it was all uncertainty, but it but it seemed pretty certain that it was destined for negative over positive. Mm-hmm. Um, how how are you feeling about this trade? And the other thing I want to ask is related to the James Harden trade is. It's just why would they do this Victor Oladipo reroute over Karis LeVert if they if they planned on flipping Victor Oladipo? Because I feel like flipping Karis LeVert probably has more value than Victor Oladipo at this point. So why not take the asset that's more um, that that's more valuable if you plan on flipping them anyways and younger? Like I just I just didn't get that part of the Houston trade for John Wall. So or I wonder, for I mean James Harden. No, I I I wonder if the. Um... I wonder if that trade, like, as far as I, – I wonder if Houston valued overhaul more than players, right? And so their overhaul was a number of picks, right? A number of picks throughout the – I think, like, three or four picks, and then they had right. um, a couple of players come through. Um, and I just, I think that, like, Indiana getting in on the mix for Karis LeVert, um, I, I, some, something's in me is, like, itching where it's, like, maybe Brooklyn knew or maybe Houston knew – that something was up with Karis LeVert. Because I think that you trade Karis for James Harden and then throw in picks on there. That's the perfect kind of like, that's the best you can get um, right. if you're in Houston. Um, but I also think that people look at Victor and they're still hopeful that Victor is potentially, you right. know, something. Um, as in, and, and I love Victor. Um, but but I, I do think that he values himself a little better than what where he currently is. And I think that he can show, he can perform um decently enough and impress enough people to where it's like all right houston would houston thought they were getting a good guy they they thought that over the course of a 10 15 game stretch he's gonna play his ass off and then like he'll be traded he'll he'd be traded you know um and so i don't know um i don't know but as far as the team goes i i think they like that's the place houston's now the misfits the island of the misfits kids where you just place all these like injured broken folks um all these guys who people have counted out and uh, you just give them a chance to shine because the next year or two they'll be on somewhere else so like i look at like bookie cousins if he's, right. he's healthy the marcus has a chance of going on a contending team next year or in two years or so um right. which is important for his own career and legacy i'm not sure if the lakers gave him a ring last year actually I don't think they did. Um, you know, um, and he, I think he was on the roster for a good portion of the season, and that was a whole debacle. But I think that this is an opportunity for folks to just shine. But if I'm anybody on the Houston Rockets, I'm, like, ISO balling as much as possible just to get my numbers up, just so people know that I can score, that I can contribute to a, a team in any degree. Because these guys are looking yeah. for contracts, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, it's, I think it's a great way to look at Houston as, like, this – rehabilitation center for NBA players images or like value 
Um, so, yeah, Houston's going to be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. I just want to. I, I just think it will be interesting to look at down the line the assets that they got for Harden and see, obviously. But right now, they, this season, they leave little to be desired. Desire, for sure, they also. I mean, I'm looking at it like long term. They have three picks in this draft. Three picks in uh, in the first round in the next draft. Um, those can be, and this draft is supposed to be better and top heavy. They got the Detroit pick, I believe, right? They got a. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 have a Detroit pick, they have a Portland pick, and they have a, a Brooklyn pick. So I mean, they have they have potential to rebuild. Um, if I'm them, tank man, like tank, like I I yeah. am an advocate for. Well, tank. they're doing that. They're doing that you whether know? they want to or not. Right, right, right. Um, listen, let's jump to let's jump to tier five. Um, the last the last couple teams we got, and then and then we'll get with uh, Oklahoma State Thunder, which we'll probably only spend a minute on, but um. Okay, so this is the last kind of surprise in my in my tier rankings or like the busting of it is Memphis being number nine currently at twelve and twelve, playing great without Ja and then Ja coming back and then playing like good but not as good. Really just Memphis just makes a uh, makes very little sense to me right. this year, but but they're they're fun as hell to watch and they're um and they're an easy team to root for. Um as as a Pistons fan obviously looking for other teams to cheer for, but um, I do want to actually, actually though, the Pistons, they have been really fun this year. Hey, Pistons oh, Twitter has been, has P- been fun. Pistons are the best team in the East. According- listen, they, listen, man, all we got to do is, listen, all we got to do is play Milwaukee, Philly, you know, Brooklyn, and we'll see you in the finals, baby. Yeah, Don't you worry about agree, it. Listen, no. little, a little LA trip, play the Lakers and oh, the Clippers three times each. Rebound that record, get that get that to five hundred real quick with a with a road trip to LA. Detroit Pistons twenty twenty one NBA champions. I promise you. Mark it you, heard down. It. you heard it here first and probably only there. <laughs> only only guys. I'm not like I'm intoxicated to for for just for the sake of that word, I am intoxicated and I did not I'm not coherent <laughs> for that. No. <laughs> Hundred percent. But no, Memphis has been has been a really cool team. They've I, they've obviously my tier five was they have they have competitive aspirations, but not likely a playoff team. Uh, Memphis at ninth again, still I think when it comes down to play play in tournament time, um, and, and you know you got you, you're playing either like San Antonio, Dallas, uh, Golden State, um, you know one of those teams. Denver, I don't see I don't see Memphis obviously beating them, so they're likely not a playoff team, but they they have been far more competitive than I expected them to. I expected them to be kind of where Houston is at like five six games under five hundred, but competitive. Um, so I, I I think it's been I think it's been an awesome season, and this has all been without Jaron Jackson Jr., who's right. still not here, right. who we thought was going to be back a little bit uh, a little bit sooner than this, but now we're hearing that he's likely not back till after the all-star break mm-hmm. so memphis man i mean i don't know if you got really anything to chime in on memphis but um yeah they've been a they've just been a straight up a pleasant surprise now they're dope um and i like i'm thinking about what team they remind me of um but they're just a group of young kids who are hungry um who want to hoop uh they like Jonas is doing Jonas things right 16 and i think 16 11 um, then you have Kyle Anderson, who is like Mr. Five, like five, five, five guy. Uh, and, and he's doing that with what he does. Brandon Clark, who somehow fixes jumper, but it's still broken. Um, so I think they're just a really dope team to watch. I think in two or three years, like they're legit, legitimate playoff contenders. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep paying attention. I love Grayson Allen for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I do not know why, but he kind of like he's a, he's a guy that I always check the box score. And I'm like Grayson Allen played, yay! And he's 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 hooping. Kid is hooping. So, oh yeah. Listen, add that to the list of white players I don't like. Oh man, I mean yeah, it, it makes sense. Nobody yeah. likes Grayson Allen. <laughs> Listen, that was, that was a funny thing on the shot makers. Um, I don't know if any of my listeners were in that clubhouse, but when we were talking, it it really occurred to me in that moment that there are very few, very few white people that that I like in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> but but uh, no, Grayson Allen is is cool. I'm I'm just joking here, but yeah, yeah it's it's been like Kyle Anderson's been a huge ple- uh, a huge surprise. I've always liked Kyle, uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson. Um, they just have this funky team that works, man. Valanciunas is an absolute animal. Like I look up and he's got twenty six and twenty, and I'm like, whoa! Yeah. Like, yeah, it's giving me flashbacks to Andre Drummond. But at the same time, I'm seeing the team win, so like it means something. And <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, it's just crazy to see, man. Memphis is is really fun. Um, the other team I had in this tier, um, which is kind of stayed in this tier, is Sacramento. They are 12 and 15, 11th in the West. Um, you know, Fox, Buddy, the rest of the roster, like, it has a talent um, that looks good on paper, but the West was just too good. And I think that's kind of what, excuse me, that's kind of what we're seeing. But who knows now that Whiteside's been, a, damn, my throat's really caught oh, here. Whiteside's been unleashed. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm going to take a swig of water. You tell me what you think Not, of Sacramento. So, so I am another, like, Man, I'm not a big supporter of Sacramento, but I have a little bit of stock. Just a little. Kind of like NIO. You're waiting on a long term. Um, right. I love, that free $5 stock you know, that you get when yeah, you sign yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. And so I love I love Fox. I love um, I love Halliburton. I love that kid. And so I think that, like, just like we said with the Grizzlies, or the Mavs, like, on any given day, on, at any given point, one of these teams are liable to go on a streak, uh, a good winning streak. Um, that sneaks them into the seventh or eighth or the play-ins, and I think play play-ins go up into like the tenth seat, so from like seven mm-hmm. to ten. Um, and so I I'm I just feel like they need one more trade, one or two more trades to kind of solidify where they're go, uh, looking. Um, I would really love to see like De'Aaron Fox in the playoffs, um, just yeah. because I think like the same kind of intensity that John Morant runs plays with, the same type of intensity that um, we said that. Russ plays with, I think that De'Aaron kind of has that going for him, too. Um, just as a young bull, like that Colin Sexton uh, Nets game, like he's just a young bull who's going to get at you um, for 48 minutes. Yeah, I think he's... Uh, I so think I'm he's excited been... to see that. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what Fox and them look like in a couple years, and right now they're fun to check in on. Um, yeah. But yeah, ultimately, ultimately, I know that Big fan of big fan of the show, big collaborator of the show. Uh, my guy Tim Cranjus McBasketball, the the leader of the Basketball Index website. He is yeah. a he is a very known anti Luke Walton guy as a coach. Um, oh, do you think do you think Luke Walton has been okay? Yeah, I was gonna say, where are you staying on Luke Walton? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's crazy because I like like I said, I'm a big Warriors guy. Um, and so I I bought a little stock in Luke uh back in 2015 2016. And then it's just been a disappointment ever since. Um, and I don't know if it's that he just can't coach, um, or he's just not that he's not the player coach that we wanted and expected him to be. And so I look at a lot of these um, former players who are not coaches, and I don't see too much success. Um, yeah. And and I, I wonder why that necessarily is. 
Um, but I don't know. Luke Luke somehow still has a job in Sacramento, where it seemed like he got a job, <laughs> and then there was a there was a scandal that came out, and he was about to lose that job within a couple of days. Um, but he's yeah. still here, so I don't know. They they gotta like him, but it's Sacramento. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's Sacramento. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, okay, so the last team I had in tier five was the Timberwolves, um, and they obviously at fifteenth, seven and twenty two. They've been by far the worst team in the West. Um, I didn't expect. I expected them to be obviously very close to the bottom, uh, maybe even fourteenth, but I didn't expect them to be fifteenth by a mile. Um, the Cat and D'Lo tandem obviously gave them as playoff aspirations, but with Cat hurting his wrist and then getting COVID and then dealing with the repercussions of COVID, not only physically, but mentally, obviously with everything that he's been through, just absolute prayers to him, man. I mean, he's been through a lot. Um, a, a lot of people don't know, even he was very close to Mac Miller when Mac Miller passed. And so like, he's had a rough, like couple of years, not just the last year, but particularly the last year in general. Yeah. Um, and then Delos, but Delos just been, Deal has been very disappointing. Um, in Brooklyn, you know, obviously Brooklyn had that like feisty team that yeah. reached the playoffs where Delo was their best player, and you know he looked like he looked like a guy that was like, okay, he's not he's not the guy, but he can take a he can make a bad team decent. Right. And he has not been that at all. He's been up and down, and now he's out for the next four to six weeks, which is a huge blow. Right as Cat is getting healthy, of course. Um, so it just seems like it's been a bad season for this team. Uh, Anthony Edwards has been up and down, but he's had moments where he's looked really good. And as somebody that doesn't know, I don't know the rookies until they enter the league because I don't really watch college basketball. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. And overall, I think that, you know, it, it's a season that it, it might be disappointing. It might be even hard to watch at times because, it, you know, it's frustrating with everybody being unhealthy and all of that. But at the end of the day, I look at this. I look at this team as you know the the future is bright. You know, hopefully D'Lo. I I think the D'Lo thing though is quite concerning. I think they have to figure that out a little bit. I think they have to figure out just how good is he, um, because even when Cat went down, there were stretches when I'm like, okay, D'Lo's gonna average 26 and you know put up like six or seven assists and maybe they'll win some games, maybe they'll lose some games, but he'll be the main player and the main focal point, and he wasn't. You know, there was times when Ricky Rubio was finishing the game over him. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not what you got D'Lo for. And that's not what you trade him for with that with that pick. That was a huge pick. I know you got off the Andrew Wiggins contract, but, you know, the D'Lo contract as of right now isn't looking too good. It's looking like it's it's empty calories. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Minnesota? Uh, so, I, I mean, I think we probably differ. Um, have no faith in D'Lo, Cat, or that team. Um, and, and of course, like Kat, like it, it breaks my heart to see what's gone, like what's gone on with him and his family. Um, so all the best wishes for him. Uh, but they have like no legitimate system going on. Like, like Minnesota doesn't have, um, an ownership, uh, GM or like coach that gives me any type of hope, um, that they will get anywhere or they'll put the team around Kat that they need. So I have been clamoring for this, uh, a couple, well, I started clamoring for this a couple weeks ago. But I would love to see Cat moved um, as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, because it, it's the K Love thing, it's the KG thing that they're not going to be better until they get rid of him or move on from him, and he's not going to be better until he's in a new place, I believe. Um, yeah. So I'm with that. Um, yeah. Like it just it just makes sense, and it's just one of those things like a fresh start is needed. Um, yeah. I yeah. It feels it, it definitely feels that way. Um, 
I'm looking at Minnesota as a bright future because I still think Cat can be that guy, but I think ultimately, I think ultimately you bring up a good point about him probably being better elsewhere, um, and, and especially the, you know with him being under contract and all of that and his age. I mean, he could get uh, quite a package. I mean, mm-hmm. that can really that can really fuel uh, a rebuild, but. I think you do want to give it at least another year, see how Anthony Edwards and, you know, kind of see what this team looks like. Maybe give it one full season with D'Lo and, and Cap before you totally hit the button on that. Because, um, you know, it's hard for these franchises like the Timberwolves that, that only get players through their draft. It's, it's hard for them to let go of that player. Right. And um, I think that I think that they, they should stick it out for another year. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think ultimately logic tells you and just like common NBA history tells you that, yeah, this is probably heading towards like that Anthony Davis, uh, New Orleans Pelicans, or that KG Minnesota, like that, that just that, that mutual breakup that's absolutely needed for both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the last team we didn't talk about, which is the 14th team, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I had them in a tier of their own as a team that doesn't suck. I thought that they were going to be competitive, uh, but they're they, they going to be competitive in a lot of games, but they were ultimately going to lose a lot. Because, you know, losing Gallo, CP3, Steven Adams, and Dennis Schroeder, which are four of their five best players, obviously that's going to set any team back. But, um, you know, they've been they've been, they've been, been pretty fun this year. Dortz has had moments where he shot like J.J. Redick. And he's he's had moments where he shot like J.J. Redick and defended like Kawhi. And he's had, he's had like all these crazy moments. SGA has just been getting these numbers that you just like your eyes pop out of your head. You don't believe. Right. Um, you know, Al Horford is like, is like getting, is, is getting a lot of good numbers. And I don't know, I, I don't know if that's just getting numbers because it's OKC and there's not many, there's a lot of opportunity to go around or what that is. But, um, Al, Al Horford is obviously, you know, playing well in, in OKC and they're, they're right where they need to be. And they're, they're fine. They're fine with that. Um, I'm really interested to see kind of where they go from here. There's not really much to talk about, um, cause this is a team for the future, I guess. My only talking point is with how good Al Horford is. Um, do you think that? Do you think that he's played himself into into um, a buyout or a trade? position to be a buyout <laughs> or trade? Yeah, yeah. because I, I don't think a buyout because I think he has multiple years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think he'll be bought out technically. But I think OKC has shown that, like, hey, with the Chris Paul, like, we'll take on any contract, and if we can get him and turn him into an asset that we can flip, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that Al Horford is definitely, that's what they're hoping for. But do you think they'll actually get it um, for Al Horford? So I, I think Al Horford definitely um, is tradable. Um, I think he's just a really good basketball player, really smart basketball player. So he's valuable on any and every team. Um, do they make that trade? I don't know. Because for some reason, it feels like teams are really hesitant to pull the trigger this year. Um, and I think it like just to see how long it took for that net sh- and, and a rocket trade to happen. Um, I just feel like teams are hesitant. And so, yeah. but I, I think I'll, it could be because of the pan which, the pandemic. Exactly. I think and like no fans and all of that and the revenue exactly type of thing. That's what I would theorize. Exactly. But so, I don't run a billion dollar business. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I mean it, that 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 is valuable. Uh, or like that itself is valuable. I think he's trading all in uh, off season. Um, but man, they're so they're such fun to watch. 
Lou Dortz is like number five on a, a defense player of the year watch list. Um, I think there needs to be a different uh, a different award for like players under six five six six. Because um, <laughs> it's like you're, he's never going to win that award because he's so small. But like it's it's just really amazing to see what he's doing. The the like see what he's doing and then SGA. I'm a big fan of SGA. Um, coolest guy yeah. in the league to me. Um, but also like the coolest stat lines for some reason, and he acts yeah. like he plays like he's not trying, you know. Um, so I'm Absolutely. really excited for what five years looks for them. You know, where the where the Thunder in five years, um, with yeah. all the picks that they got coming in. Yeah, can I propose one trade to you that I think will both shock you and maybe entice you? Let's do it. All right, let's end this podcast with a trade since it's trade season coming up. So. If Oklahoma State Thunder, I'm looking at the numbers now, Al Horford makes $27.5 million. Do you flip him for Andre Drummond, who's at $28 million, and attach some type of protected first just to get off those extra years? Do you take it if you're Cleveland, two extra years of bad money? or do you, or, And do you do that if you're OKC and actually give up an asset to get rid of this man? No. I mean, I know. I okay, see this because he's got three years left, dude. Like, like that's a that's a contract. I don't know many people that are trading for 27, 27 to 26 million for the next three years, right? I don't, but I also, I also think that OKC is not in a hurry to get rid of him because they have like they're, I think SGA is their only big contract that they got to cough up, um, probably Mm -hmm. next year, you know, so they have the cap space for it. Um, and I I know that a team will be will come willing to kind of like. You know, give you some more. Be desperate, yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't think they got. I don't think OKC pulls that trade. I don't think Cleveland pulls that trade either. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Cleveland wants anything more to do with dead money. Yeah. I think they've been like the definition of dead money for the last like five right. years. So yeah, it's, it's been it's been tough. It's crazy because Cleveland OKC's doing what Cleveland wants you to do. <laughs> like yeah. So. Uh. Yeah, that's fair. Just, just a, just a hypothetical. I saw the numbers match, and I was like, ah, maybe, maybe if OKC wanted to get off the money, but they really don't have a reason to be a spender right now. Right. So, makes sense. All right. But, all right, Jum, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Uh, you've been, you've been great here. I love you on the Shot Makers, which I am a part of, of course, every Tuesday on Clubhouse. Uh, congratulations. So, what's it, it became a group, right? Like, I'm still learning Clubhouse. Yeah. Like, I've been there like a month now almost two months now but like it's essentially it became a, a public group that can be opened up to the to the like, public like yeah. how does it work so uh i put in a request to become an official club uh, about a month ago and it finally got approved uh which just kind of means that the reach for it the growth um for this conversation and just explain a shot maker um show uh so it's just i've wanted to kind of host a discussion host a conversation about uh basketball um really sports in general um, for as long as I can remember, Clubhouse provided that space, and so uh, we're every Tuesday we're just having dialogue about what's going on in the league, and um, I welcome the hot takes and all of that. And so, yeah. But I wanted to make a club so that we can just have those conversations whenever we want, um, as frequently as we want, so that too we're not just bound to the Tuesday official time, right? But you know, mm-hmm. like yesterday or was it early? Like right now, we could hop on and be talking about these uh, All Star starter selections, right? Um, right. And that's what I kind of open um, and what I'm open to um, and welcome. So um, I'm excited, okay. man. I'm excited. We actually might do that right now. But <laughs> yeah, man, listen, you know, you know, if it any time that the shot makers comes off, I'm going to be a part of it. Shout out to all the guys that are that are yes, a part sir. of it. And, uh, 
you, you definitely won't be the last one from the shot makers on this podcast, hey. but I appreciate you. And this won't be your last visit on the podcast as well, man. I've really enjoyed our conversations. Sure. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what the rest of this NBA season looks like. Can you believe we're not even halfway? We're not halfway. It's, it feels so long. Like It, it feels so long. When did we start? We started December at the end of December. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, for me as a Heat fan, like this season is just an ongoing cycle from last year. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Listen, the Heat are, the, Jimmy Butler's turning around. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you, I was watching, so I was watching Serena and Osaka last night, and I'm watching the Heat and Warriors play. So these are like, you know, two great games for me, right, going on. Right. Um, and I, I I was really torn. I can't tell you who I was rooting for in either of these games because I feel like I would be shaming <laughs> myself. But it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. <laughs> It de- it definitely it definitely was it definitely was I was watching I had the Heat and uh, Warriors game on at my house l- last night and it was just like it just like I was I had my friend over and he like bet he made a bet on like Curry and and what was it the line it was like Curry and Butler combining for sixty points in Tennessee or something <laughs> like that and it was just like dude he looked up at the third quarter and they had like twenty one points and I was like yeah fam like that ain't it like. <laughs> And then it went to overtime. And he's like, "Oh, maybe they could get." It. I was like, "They both have to drop like 20. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, oh man, Curry's game last night went five for twenty from yeah. three. Ridiculous, ridiculous, man. And they but, won, but yeah, yeah, they still won with a bad shooting game. I did not think that that would happen it's from impossible. from the Warriors at all. But all right, Drew, I'll catch you later, man. I appreciate oh, you as God. always, and I'll be talking to you with you very soon. For sure, appreciate it.